0: Glad to have you with us this morning. Open your Bibles, please, if you would. Hope you brought your King James Bible with you to the book of Ruth, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Jo- not nah, kidding. That's not up in that way. If you know where Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament, you have Deuteronomy, then you have the uh, Joshua, Judges, and back in there is Ruth, Okay. I don't normally do this on a Sunday morning, but uh, most of you know who Ruth is. Uh, I'm sorry, Irene. She's right. Ruth, I'm getting ready to read about her. You know who Ruth? She's sitting down here. No, this is Irene. And just uh, a week or so ago, she went through surgery. And she was in class this morning. And I said, it's great to see you this morning. How'd everything go? And uh, she said, I might as well be in church. I can hurt here just like I do at home. <laughs> Now she's older than most of you, and she said, Preacher, I just love coming to church. Amen. Maybe that's why, whether she's hurting or not, she's here. Amen. She doesn't yeah. base going to church on whether she feels good or not. She Amen. bases going to church because she loves the Lord and Amen. she wants to be Amen. in church. So, good. Irene, wave at everybody. That's that little lady right there, okay? And uh, glad to have my best friend. Glad to have her with us this morning. Ruth, chapter number one. Did you find it? I'll read out loud, you follow along with me silently, but we'll read this together as is our custom here at the Anchor Baptist Church. Ruth chapter number one, excuse me, and verse number one through seven. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of their two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled. I'm sorry. And they dwelled there about ten years, and Melan and Chalion died also, both of them. And uh, the woman, talking about uh, Naomi, was left of her two sons and her and her husband was left of her. They they all died. Verse number six. And when she arose, then she arose with her daughter-in-law and that they might return to the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab, I'm, I'm sorry, she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited the people in giving them bread. Talking about back where in Bethlehem, Judah. Verse number seven. Therefore, Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. Now go, if you would, please, down to verse number 19. Verse number 19, same chapter. Ruth chapter 1, verse number 19. And so they too, uh, I'll explain all this in a moment. And so they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? And she said, call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Father, thank you for the Bible. <clears throat> Father, as we bow our heads in prayer, and perhaps hold a Bible in our hand, may we understand just how close to heaven we are praying to the only god that there is and the own everlasting word that you gave to us may we realize you being almighty god for us to question you's got to be foolish just just foolish arrogance to look at the bible and say i'm not sure i believe that it's nothing but pride and arrogance i pray that this morning as we hear the preaching of your word That people will yield to it, not because of me, not even because necessarily how it comes out from what I have to say, but they would realize God is trying to tell us something, and that we would yield to that. If we have to change our lives, may we change it. If we have to make adjustments, may we make those adjustments. If we have to clear up our thinking on something, may we do that. Father, lead us and guide us this morning. For Christ's sake, we pray these things. Amen. Thank you. maybe so be seated. By the way, it's good to have Deidre Hayes with us uh, this morning. Normally they're out back teaching, and uh, she went through a uh, kidney transplant uh, back how many months now? September. September. So it has been about six months, five, six months, something like that. And uh, had gone through two or three years of just horrible things going on. It's amazing what we do in the name of medical whatever. Um, I've always been amazed by that. And uh, But it's good to have both of them here with us this morning. I had the privilege of uh, uh, marrying them uh, when they first came here. and I can't believe it's been 14, 15 years. years. I can't believe it's been 19 or 20 years uh, since that's happened. And They came out of gangs right out of of Columbus and just tough as all get out. And uh, the Lord sure has changed them. And what a testimony they are for the Lord now. By the way, that's what all of us are supposed to be. No matter what we go through, no matter how life turns on us or continues to help us to move forward, uh, what we ought to be concerned about is the testimony of Jesus Christ in our life because that's all we have to try to persuade people. Speaking of that, Christians by the thousands, Christians by the thousands are turning away from Christianity. Turning away from God and all the Christian things that they have been taught growing up and acting and believing like the unbelievers of this world. I'm talking about Christians. Not talking about what the world does. I'm talking about what Christians do. Some of them after a year or two. I can't take it. This isn't fair. I don't understand, I'm leaving. Others, after decades, have decided. They just decided that what they're going to do, they walk away from what they have, what God has done for them. They walk away from all of that and what they have believed for years, for decades, to something they think they found or something they think they know or something they think they're missing out on altogether and they trade everything that they have got for that which they're hoping to get. Now, they think they're missing out on things. They think for some reason they decide to trade all of that. And what they have and what someday God has promised them for what they think they need or deserve or missing out on or passing them by, in their estimation, in their estimation, it's not worth it anymore to live the Christian life thousands, thousands, thousands of people out in the world like that anymore. I have watched Christians in 53 years, In April be 53 years since I've been saved. I got saved when I was 20. You can do the math. No, that'd make me fit 70. That's not right. But don't do the math because it's wrong. Uh, I'm a preacher. I'm not a mathematician. I've watched people make this trade, this... What they have, this, what they have received, this that many grew up in, some for decades and decades, then all of a sudden they make this trade from what they have to what they think they're missing out on or whatever. And I've always wanted to ask. It's just me. It's like when Paul was on the ship there in Acts chapter 27, and they didn't listen to him. Now, it's not very kind of preachers to say stuff like this, but we'll talk about somebody in the Bible. And the apostle Paul looked at them when they're about ready to lose their ship, and they've lost all of the cargo that's on there, and lives seem like they were in jeopardy. And here's what he said. Sirs, you should listen to me. Now, it's just my nature to like stuff like that, okay? And so here again, we come to find out when people come back, I've always wanted to ask them, was it worth it? The trade you made. Was the trade you made. Many were grown up, raised up all their life from a child in a Baptist church, believing the Bible, maybe went to a Christian school, maybe went to a Christian college, and now they're out there somewhere. They're out of, let me have this. They're out in the world somewhere, and um, they have lots of reasons why. Ask them. Oh, they'll give you all kinds of reasons on why. But I've always wanted to ask them, was it a good trade? What you gave up for what you received? Now, see, I, I don't always get to see them when they first leave and everything's going well. I don't always get to see that. I don't always hear about it. I don't do the internet thing. Siri and I are not good friends, and uh, I don't. Speaking, you know, everybody has friends on. There. I don't have any friends. I don't have. I don't do this stuff. I just don't. So I don't always hear about it when they first leave. I don't always see how things are going when they first leave. But I hear in detail when they come back. What happened? And I've often wondered, just not to be nosy, but just for my own mental argument, was it worth it? The trade that you made, what you already had, what you were already given, what already came your way, everything that you had already received, your training, your teaching, what your parents did, what your pastor did, what your friends in church did, what the Bible did for you, the things you learned, the things that you figured out and said, I know that's right. Now you trade all that to act like somebody out in the world. And I just always wanted to ask, was the trade worth it? What you left to where you ended up, was it worth it? But see, you can't answer that when you first leave. And that's the deceitment of sin. When you first leave, it's like, man, I got the whole world now. Man, everything's great now. Everything's exciting now. That's when you leave. Because if there was no temptation to that, none of us would leave. I've always wanted to ask him: was it a good trade, the blessings you forfeited? Was it worth what you had to pay for it now? Everybody pays for sin. Everybody does. All that you took out of here compared... So what you brought back with you Mm -hmm, after being out there? I just always wanted to ask, is it worth it? Was the trade a good trade? How foolish of a person to trade something great for something lesser. So somewhere in our cranium, we thought to ourselves, this will be better. And then I always wanted to ask, instead of just speculating, instead of just looking forward and wondering, now that you're back and been out there, Not to rub it in, I just always wanted to ask, was it a good trade? You knew what you had. You didn't know about that. So you went out there, and now you come back. So now you've been here, you've been there. You had this, and you've had that. And I've often just wanted to ask an honest person, was it worth it? I want you to go to the book of Ruth, which is where we started. I don't want you to look in Ruth. Now, Ruth set a background. Well, look at verse number 1 and verse number 2. Chapter number 1 in the book of Ruth, verse 1 and 2. We did not read this a moment ago, but watch what it says. So the book, this is during the time of the judges. So when you're reading about judges, you know, and you read about all those people, this is during that time that this story, this real story, this is not a parable, this is a real story, yeah. took place in a real person's life. And we read here, it came to pass, verse 1, in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine. In the, Oh, that doesn't sound good, does it? Famine. That can be very serious or just it's passing, but it, it, it was a famine. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn. Now, sojourn means a temporary stay, passing through. Passing through. I was passing through. Okay, we'll go on there. You know how people do the Preacher, have start working Sundays, but it's only until things get better. Well, I hope you didn't decide that when Biden was in there because you're going to be working forever now. So watch what happens here. Did I just say that? Okay, I did, didn't I? To sojourn, and here's what he said. And he said, sojourn in the country of Moab, which they were distinctly told to do not mix with the people of Moab. Right, right. Amen, Moab was one of the illegitimate people Children of Job's daughter yep. that they had when they were in a cave because they left Sodom and Gomorrah because of the filthy wickedness right. that was going on there and they lay with their own dad, got him drunk and had children and Moab was one of the boys that they had and these are his descendants that are living there now. Right. This isn't good. Right. Okay? And so watch what happens here. And then we come to find out in verse number two. Now they're getting ready to leave. And he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was, now we know it's a real story, not a parable. In parables, it doesn't give real names. Watch what it says here. Elimelech, the name of the wife, Naomi, the name of the two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continue. Oh, now they're continuing there. Okay, let me get this right. In verse number one, it said they sojourned. We're just gone until financially things get better. Now it's in. They continue there. You go down to the next verse, the very last part there of verse number four, and dwell there about ten years. That did not sound temporary to me. That sounds kind of permanent. They were planning on staying there, evidently, and they stayed there for right. 10 years. You see, times had gotten hard. Listen to me carefully, Christian. Times had gotten hard. A little struggle, you know, famine in the land, and, and they were struggling here and there. Watch, watch, in the place where God placed them. By the way, Bethlehem, Judea. Bethlehem, Judea means house of bread. Food. We all like food, okay? Come down to your level. We'll talk about food. Food. And so Bethlehem, Judea meant the house of prayer. Now, you remember when they went into the Canaan land, which is where this was located, was a land that flowed with milk and honey. So it sounds to me like where God led them and where God put them, sounds to me like it was going to be pretty good. House of bread, land flowing with milk and honey, and this is where they put them. Bethlehem, Judea was in the Canaan land, where where watch, where God put them. This was not their suggestion. This is where God put them, where God wanted them, where God said, I'll take care of you. You stay in Bethlehem, Judea, in the Canaan land. That's the land I that's the place I gave you. Are you listening to me, Christian? That's the place I gave you. You see, something happened. Maybe jobs weren't as plentiful as they used to be, and Maybe there was a drought and depression. You know how you get when, when things get a little tight. You know when you can't buy pizza on Friday night. You just got to start taking drugs, go to sleep, you know, and that kind of stuff. It gets really bad. Folks may be fussing, which we tend to do when times are tough. We fuss. We, we, we complain. We, we bring up things that really don't mean anything, but we're irritated because of everything else that's going on. And it seems like where God had led them that's falling apart. Preacher, where God led them, look, they're having problems here. And so you know what they need? Maybe they need to geographically change location. Maybe that will help a little bit. God is no longer blessing in this place. Let's change location. Let's change direction. This is I'm talking about them, not you. From where we now live and what we've always done, what we've always had, to a place of opportunity. Now, nobody would go to Moab if it said place of death, plague, no good. Nobody would do that. So they looked at it, the place where God put them, as now not being full of blessings, not being that plentiful. The place, look at me, where God placed them, where God put them. They're looking at some place they've never been and said maybe there's opportunity over there. Let's go over it. Now, we're not, look, preacher. Mom, dad, we're not staying. Come on, who would stay in Moab? Is this the way we talk to one another? Preacher, we're moving. Preacher, we're going. Preacher, we're changing churches. Preacher, we're going to another state. We're not staying, okay? We're going for a job, and when things end up better, who who knows? Maybe we'll come back and visit. You listen? So what happens here? Let's change the location. To the place of opportunity, Moab. Wait a minute. Opportunity or not, God told you don't do this. It doesn't matter how you view things. What did God say? That's all that really makes a difference. So let's just change location. I mean, God God would rather us be happy and supply for our children, wouldn't he? You notice how we reason like that? God doesn't want us hurting and going through tough times. This is our reasoning about God Almighty. They would rather, God would rather be happy and provide for our family than to live like this. Preacher, I feel worn and empty, lifeless, to be honest with you. It's like I don't have a purpose. I'm just existing and going through the motions. And and beside, on top of all that, we're not making ends meet. In Ruth chapter number one, verse number three. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Oh, didn't expect that. And she was left of her two sons. And they took them, whoa, whoa, they weren't supposed to do this. God already told them. You do not mix. You're my people. You don't do this. So now they not only went to Moab, now because they were living there, oh, this is what happens to your kids in public school. That's right. Baptist people, listen to me. How in the world can a Baptist marry a Catholic? Amen. Or a Mormon? How can you change directions to becoming a Muslim after you said you've been a Baptist? How is that? I don't I can't even conceive how that's possible. How's that possible? One goes this way, one goes this way. Then you come back and say, basically, they're kind of the same. They're not even close to being the same. I'm talking about the Catholics with the Baptists. Not even close. Now, I did tell you don't come back tonight. Didn't I tell you that? So when you come back, you get offended. It's not that I didn't warn you. I'm trying to warn you right now. Just some things I need to straighten out, get off my chest, clear the air so we can begin to breathe. Okay? So we find out here in verse number 3, her husband died. Then, she was then they married two, two women there, and it gives us the names of there. Then we come to find out in verse number five that Malon and Ch- they died too. Right. Man, this just isn't going good at all. Yeah. Now hold on, hold on, hold on. They left Bethlehem Judah because things were tough come on, Alan. Come on, to just go for a while till things got a little better, and they were coming back. Ten years later, ten years later, Naomi has no husband, her two sons married, but then they both died. So I don't have a husband, I don't have sons, and you don't understand this because we live in a modern sinful society, but in the old days, if you didn't have a man in your life, normally a husband, an uncle, somebody in the relatives, a man, or sons that were adults, ma'am, you were in big trouble. Because there was no equal rights. You're not going to go down and grab a job somewhere. They were supposed to take care of you. Now her husband's dead her two boys are dead and she's not in the place where God put her. Man, this isn't going good at all. Wouldn't you know it? When one thing goes wrong, doesn't seem like everything falls apart. You'd almost think that's planned. You see, you say, preacher, the the famine, things are getting hard. And, And by the way, God helps those who help themselves, right? No. God helps those who trust Him and obey Him. You've heard that all your life. Hey, God helps those who help themselves. No, God helps those who trust the Lord and obey Him. Those are the ones that the Lord helps. But preacher, it looks like a good decision based upon the circumstances. Let me see, there's a famine in the land. People are struggling. It sounds like I heard there was an opportunity over in this other, other place here in, in America. I'm sorry, Moab. Maybe we could go there. Maybe things would be different. Christians do not make decisions based upon circumstances. Amen. We do. I'm saying we shouldn't. Christians should never make decisions based upon circumstances. We don't make, we're not supposed to make decisions based upon what things look like. Well, preacher, I've got nothing to lose really wonder if Naomi would say that on her way back home please Please understand Naomi in verse 21 go there chapter 1 verse 21 watch what she said these are in her own words Okay, this is the part I wish I could ask somebody was the trade worth it Naomi's finally coming back home She's coming back to where God placed her and her family. She's coming back to where God said, this is your land. He's coming back to where God said, I will bless this place. Right. But because of some hard times, on, right. her family decided to bail out yeah, come on. because of circumstances. Yeah, wow. Opportunity. But look in verse number 21. Uh, I'm sorry. Verse number, yeah. Did I say 21? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go to verse 21. Ready? Look at verse 20. And she said unto them, now she's going back home. She got fed up, left. Uh, One of her daughter-in-laws went back to her heathen ways, which goes to show you what kind of a wife she was to supposedly one of God's people, which you should never marry anybody that's not a born-again Christian. Never. You said, that's your opinion. Oh, no, no, light and darkness cannot dwell together. Saved and unsaved, look at me, saved and unsaved are never supposed to get married. They're not supposed to go in business together. We are not to join hands as churches so that everybody will love each other. That's another huge deceitment that this world and fake churches have decided to, sound like Trump, didn't I? Ah, Fake church, fake church, fake church. Now, watch what happens here. Look at verse 21. Verse 20. And she said, call me not. So she's going back home, verse 19. So they too, this is Naomi and Ruth, uh, until they came to Bethlehem, now they're back home. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved. They're all moved about them and said, is that Naomi? Yeah, come on. Is that Naomi? She heard them, watch. And she said to them, call me not, Naomi. Now, that's her real name. That's her name. But you see, what she said was, how can you call me pleasant? How can you possibly call me that after all that I went through? God showed me (coughs) I was wrong on every turn. And you think sometimes, because the hard times in your life, how unfair God is to you. Child of God, you have no business being out in the world. You have no business making best friends out in the world. The world is not your friend. Don't you understand this this is what Pharaoh tried to get the Jews to do when God said, now look, when the Passover comes that night, you make sure you have your sandals on, patched, and you get ready to get out of here. Why? Egypt's too strong for us. Check out all the preachers, the churches, and people who think by going to the world we can help them. No, you just end up out in the world. You lose, you lose your emphasis. You lose. No, look, look at all the rock and roll singers and country and western singers that started in church. Somebody told him if you cross over, we could bring more people to Christ. It didn't work. It's never going to work. I told you not to get me started, didn't I? Now, so watch what happens here. God helps those who trust him and they decided not to. Hard times is to get you to turn and hang on to the Lord more. It's not meant to repel you and make you go look somewhere else for help. Folks, reason with me. If God can't help you, where are you going? Who could possibly help you if he can't? Who's going to possibly bring food if he can't? Who's going to settle your heart if he can't? Who's going to help you during tough times if he can't? The bottle, the drugs, whoring around, parties all the time running here and there really you think that that's not helping you that's adding to your problems. and then sure enough somebody dies and guess what we do we blame God well if he's that kind of a God no he is this kind of a God and you should have trusted him but instead you bailed and went someplace where you thought it was going to be easier God put you somewhere because God knew what you needed and you should have trusted him but we don't by the thousands, we don't do that. But watch what Naomi says in verse 21. She said, "I went out full." Wait a minute. I thought you said times were bad. Yeah. How can times be bad and when you left you went out full, yeah. on, meaning she took a lot of stuff with her. Yeah. Wait a minute. And the Lord, whoa, the Lord did this. If you're a child of God, uh, I know I used to be able to say this, and parents would amen. When your child is disobedient. You spank them. I know, la, la la la! I don't want to hear this. I, I know. You beat the fire out of them, right? You correct them. Okay. This is recorded. You can get it turned to anybody you want to. You said, "Why would you say that?" I, well, actually, I didn't. God did. God did. Now, the reason everybody needs to amen because there are people here that don't believe that, amen. and and they're looking for those of you that go. Now, to be honest, when I was a teenager, I didn't like that either. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. When I say beat the tar out of my mom did, with a light cord and a and a a bat and anything she get her hand. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not. Don't miss that's not right. You shouldn't do that. Abigail, I don't teach that here, do I? Okay. Where's socks? Socks here? Do Do I teach? Okay, never mind. Socks. Please understand. God. Sometimes creates tough times, so you trust him more. Not bail out for you to become your God and make decisions for yourself. So people are leaving by the thousands. But watch what she says here in the rest of this verse. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? We're talking Bible now. God did this to her because, number one, you should have never left and you didn't trust God. Number two, the only way I'm getting you out of that bad situation is to break everything in your life so where you come back to me. Now, that's not mean. That is a great thing that your Father in heaven wants to do to you. God says in Hebrews chapter number 12 that he chastens every child that comes to him because he loves them. Parents that do not chastise their children, you don't love them. You're right. too you're too selfish right. to love them. Right. You're thinking more about yourself and what other people think of you right. instead right. of the future of that child. I can prove it. Look at our society. Right. Right. Well, pastor, I've got nothing to lose. Hmm. When she came back home, the Bible said she came home empty. Oh, wait a minute. When you left, you went full and said things aren't going good. You went out there where your fortune and opportunity is and yet you came back empty. I'm really confused. I don't understand. She left with two boys, a husband, neighbors who knew God, She had land. She had relatives. God was filling up their lives. But because of a time of struggle, because of some hurts and tears and and, and doing without some things, some everyday convenience, she traded Bethlehem, Judah, and all of that for Moab and came back empty. A short stay. This is our plan. Preacher, look, trust me. And I go, okay, trust me, I'm not going to be doing this forever. Okay. Do you know a fish that grabs a worm on a hook isn't staying? Ask them. I know you can't, right? Just ask, if they could talk, ask them. So you went not have that worm because of the opportunity that was there? How'd that turn out for you? you're going to be the one that gets away, right? That is what the devil wants us to think all the time. Amen. So she left all of this. Short 10 years, ten, within 10 years, think about 10 years, husband died. Her sons, we knew God, we worshiped God, we knew what was right, are marrying heathen girls. That was wrong. Amen. She's batting a 1,000 right now. Then those two boys died. Who's going to take care of these three women? Who's going to take care of them? So Naomi says, Look, girls, I I don't have any more sons. I mean, even if I did. Think how old you're going to be by the time they're old enough to marry. You need to go back home where you come from. I'm going back home where I came from. Orpah said, Good idea. I'm going to go back to my gods, my people, my country. I'm going back to the way I used to live. Ruth said... Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Your land will be my land. She said, "No, I'm heading in a right direction with you." Problem is, look what's happened to Naomi. This is not. This is not good at all. So what happens here is this. Now go to Ruth chapter number one, verse number nineteen. They lost all the material stuff. It's all gone. She lost her family lost relations, even people that knew her said, that, that Naomi, what a lovely, sweet woman she is. Now they're going, you changed. Man, did you change. By the way, the Bible said, a wicked man hardeneth his face. That world will make you, ladies, if you're trying your best to hide wrinkles and stuff, I would ask you to please get saved right away. Start learning to smile. Start learning to have a lighter heart and soul with the Lord. It has a lot to do with your complexion. There's only so much caulking out there. (laughs) (laughs) But if the barn needs paint, paint it. I don't want to tell you. Now, watch out. So watch what happens here. All the material stuff's gone. She has no one to call upon. It's over with. I mean, it's done. The world is playing you. They hold pretty pictures and... Supposed opportunities in front of you. And as soon as your mom, dad, or preacher goes, No, we can't do that. See, see, it's no fun serving God. I'm missing out. See, let me get it straight. I just want to understand because I'm going to ask you when you come back. What did you gain and what did you lose? You went from here full. Yes, you did. You understood about God. You figured out how to pray. You knew how to trust the Lord. You had peace in your life. You had purpose and direction. You had all of these, and you took that with you and said, I know what I'm doing, and off you went. And the world said, attaboy, you tell that preacher. You tell your mom and dad, you're not a child anymore. You know what you're doing. (laughs) Naomi wasn't a child. She was a mommy. She ended up with a husband, two grown boys, two daughters-in-law's, in a foreign country, lost it all. Now what's she going to do? I know what you're thinking. I can smell the wood burning. Listen to me. You're thinking, yeah, but I'm not that way. We're all exceptions to the rules. You ever figure that out? Every one of us are exceptions to the rules. Just ask us. Yeah, I know it says this and this, but I, we say that. We're famous for that kind of stuff. Watch what happens here. In verse number 19, chapter number 1. Verse number 19, chapter number 1. And so... The two went, and they came to Bethlehem, Judea. We just read this part, and she comes back here, and they don't even recognize her. Yeah. Let me give you a story. Uh, on the other side of town, we helped build a church over there. Uh, I was with a pastor over there, my brother, and uh, we were building a church. It, meant it was doing great, too. It was over in the Blacklick area, over in that area, and it's a decades and decades ago. And um, When I was younger, I went to to school. I was, our family were heathens, and, and we grew up. Uh, we didn't read Bible, pray, nothing like that. Divorce family, the whole, the whole thing, the whole thing. Went through the whole thing. And uh, so at school, I tended to gravitate towards wicked kids. Yeah. Well, one in particular, I can't tell you his name in case he's watching. I was in fifth grade when my mom and dad got divorced. I think you're right about 11 years old in fifth grade. I met a guy there that was supposed to be in seventh grade but he was in fifth grade. And he was big for his age, which made it look even more awkward. He became my friend. As we grew up and became teenagers and and younger men running in the world, he became very violent, deadly. He went to prison for things. So I'm over on the other side of town. Understand, we're only about two or three years difference in age. Okay, you understand? Grew up in the same place. I'm walking down the aisle. We're having a big day. Dr. Lee Robertson was there. Place was jam-packed. I think we had 700 and some people there. I was shaking hands. I'm walking down the aisle. I was assistant pastor. I just, hello, good to see you. God bless you. How you doing? Oh, so happy you're here. And somebody tugged on my coat. And I turned around and I looked at him and I said, can I help you? It's good to see you. You don't remember me, do you? And then I see his eyes and I called him by name he said you didn't recognize me did you I told him I apologized no I didn't he was not only but two or three years older than me at that time I was 32 maybe he looked like he was 60 I couldn't believe it I didn't know what to say what do you say to Naomi? Naomi figured it out. Don't, don't call me pleasant. Don't, don't, that's, I know that's what my name means, but how can you call me Naomi, which means pleasant, because I'm not anymore. The world has made me bitter. I went towards the world and it just pounded on me and it took things from me and it pulled everything away from me. The only good thing that's happened to me is God brought me back to where I started. Amen. You say, Pastor, I, illustration. I, I, I don't know one, I know many many pastors young beautiful wife great kids build a church running hundreds I mean just and, and, and more being added constantly all the time Developed land build buildings I mean just going crazy doing great things folks being saved all the time buses were running all the time people coming constantly new visitors all the time I mean, he shouted and screamed and yelled and pissed a fit about sin and folks just kept on coming. It's wonderful. Absolutely great. Had everything. Influence? Man, oh man, everybody said, that's a great man right there. I know that preacher right there. And they just talk like that. Not because he did things special for him, just because of his character and who he was. Had everything going. Everything. Everything land, house, wife, children, acknowledgement, influence with people for Christ. Wonderful. And he traded it one day. You see, one day a woman came into his office, had some real problems. I mean, strung out drug type problems. Back in those days, preachers would counsel privately in their office. We finally learned that's not a smart thing to do. You know what happens sometimes when somebody, a woman, begins to cry? What are you supposed to do? You hug them. But people do. see why they do that. Because they're stupid. They don't know any better. I'm assuming, I'm assuming this is what happened. I don't know for how many, His attitude began to change. He started getting in shape. I mean muscle in shape. Not just working out to stay healthy. And uh, I went off to college. I wasn't down there more than six months and somebody called me and said, your brother left church. I'm sorry, what? He did what? See, my brother won me to Christ. My brother baptized me. My brother was my pastor for about nine years. Taught me everything about fundamentalism just about that I know. And he's gone? What do you mean he's gone? What does that mean? He packed up in a night and left. Good man. Good hard worker. Love the Lord. Went soul winning every every day he went soul winning. Had his own bus route. Got his bachelor's, master's, and doctor's degree through Bethany Theological Seminary down in Dothan, Alabama. While he was building a church. He's a worker. No doubt about it. Somewhere along the line, please turn that off. Somewhere along the line, Maybe he was struggling you never know what a pastor going through any more than kids know what their parents are going through something happened and he traded all of that for pleasure with a woman traded it Listen to me. Sit up. Listen to me. Turn that off. Mm-hmm. Traded it for pleasure. I was talking to Brother Daryl Cox two days ago. He had called. I sent him a letter about some of the things that's going on up here. and He called me. said, please call me, Brother Bell, if you get a chance. He's, he's down in uh, Moxville, North Carolina, North, South, North. Okay, down the Carolinas. And uh, so I called him back. And he said, hey, Brother Bell, I, I got a lot going on right now. I really can't talk too much. How you doing, buddy? And I said, well, Brother Cox, I'm doing fine. Well, let me tell you what's going on. I haven't been in bed all night long. He said about 10 o'clock yesterday, I got a phone call. And a good family. They just built a home, and they love the Lord, and all their kids kind of grew up here, and everything was going fine, brand new home, doing great. And their oldest son, 18 years old, blew his brains out. I got a call, had to go to the house. He said, "Preacher, you haven't heard such screaming and crying. And they leave the body there. You know, they don't they don't pack it up and leave. When Brother Tincher was here and his son, Tracy, they found him in the front room. I went over there and uh, his mommy was there. And I looked at him and said, why don't, you, why don't you take the body? I mean, come on. They said, we can't, not allowed. It. See, when something happens in the home, they have to find out what went on before they move the body. They have to do an autopsy. He said, Preachy, it's the worst thing. The crying, the screaming, it's just pitiful. He says, a good young man. Anybody happen to know why he killed himself? One of the dumbest reasons in the world over a woman. Evidently, she called him and said, I'm moving and I'm now you think that was the right kind of relationship that had that kind of a hold on a young man? Mm-hmm. It was all sexual and emotional. That's right. I'll guarantee you. That's right. Because just being friends doesn't have that kind of relationship. That's right. Right. That's right. I said, Brother Cock, we praying for you. Anything I can do for you, let me know. Thank you, Brother Bell. Why would somebody do that? Why would they do that? My brother traded, by the way, when he moved, his wife hadn't worked out in the world for, for, for about 10 years. She's a very smart girl, graduated from college, first first class secretarial, I mean, just great lady. She's this kind of person that would go down the highway and take license plate numbers and divide them by odd numbers. Who does that other than maybe Jordan Morrell? <laughs> Wonderful lady. Wonderful children. Now they're both working in the world. Put all of his kids in a public school. They'd only been in a Christian school all their life. Can you imagine that? Left church, the place where God put him, all of his friends, family. Lost all of his peace, all of his confidence. Started drinking. Family running, son been in and out of jail. We don't talk. It's not that I haven't tried. I've often wanted to ask him, was the trade worth it? I'm really not asking, I'm asking you. You're Christians in this room right now, either you're considering going to Moab, or you're kind of there right now and putting up an argument on why it's okay. Was it a good trade? You know what he got in return? Guilt, shame, embarrassment. The only reason you said, I'm not, is because you have too much pride and you're too ignorant to understand what's going on. We see the prodigal son in Luke chapter number 15. <laughs> Same thing happened. This is not a one-story gig here. Stories all over the Bible. Prodigal son leaves home. Guess what he leaves with? He says, I'm going to a far country. I heard there's some things I'm missing out on. So he packs all the stuff up that his father gave him and heads out to a far country, which happens to young Christians all the time. You think the things you've learned right here and the things that your parents taught you right here are like yours forever. They only have influence as long as you keep walking with God. It's kind of like groceries or money. You keep spending it, you're going to run out. God replaces it constantly all the time as you read his word and pray and go to church and strive to live right with him. He keeps giving you the things that you need to fight a good fight. When you stop that, whatever God has given you, you use that up, you're empty. Naomi, same way. Prodigal son into a Jewish boy watching over pigs in a pig pen. I don't even know if you understand that. Filthiest job a Jewish kid could have. A lot of people start doing jobs they never would think of. Working in bars, strip joints. You think I'm kidding you. It happens. Here again, yeah, but that's not me. I understand. I got that part. Prodigal son left. Father, bed, a brother, servants to wait on him. He had land. He had an inheritance. He gave all of that. And I just wondered if we went and talked to him. So I'm just dying to ask you. Was the trade worth it? I think I know what he would say now. King Saul. Remember him? Old Testament. Not Saul in the New Testament. King Saul in the Old Testament. Bible said when he was little in his own eyes. Boy, it doesn't take us long to get the big head and pride, does it? I'm 21. I'm an adult. He can't talk to me that way. First of all, adults never make that kind of statement. I'm an adult. Adults don't make that kind of statement. I went halfway around the world, fought for my country in Vietnam, came back, sat with my mom. She's only about five foot two. sat there in the morning, came back home, drank a cup of coffee, smoking a cigarette, said to my mom, Mom, I guess I'm all grown up now, as only a mother could do. She said being grown up has nothing to do with age or size. It has to do with handing, handling responsibility properly. At the time, I didn't understand, but I think she slapped me. You don't have to tell everybody how big you are if you're big. You don't have great, big, strong people going, you don't know how strong I am? You don't know how strong? They don't have to do that. Smart people don't brag, dumb, dumb people do that. King Saul. God told him, when thou wast little in thine own eyes, when you looked at yourself as being nothing and trusted me for everything, I made you the king over my people. Didn't take him long, though. I'm going to tell the preacher what to do. I'll give sacrifice when I think it's time, and I'll make excuses, and I'll blame things on kind of like Biden does. Anything goes right, he did it. Anything goes wrong, which is everything, that's all your fault. That's terrible leadership. That is terrible leadership. Look at me. You voted for him. It's terrible leadership. I didn't vote for him. Nobody voted for the guy now. How'd he get in there? Cain in Genesis, he did the same thing. I'm always amazed at how God lets people talk to him. Check it out in the Bible. Cain brought a non-blood sacrifice to God. He already knew what he was supposed to do. His brother knew. His mom and dad knew. And it's not like the pornography shop on the corner. There wasn't anybody around, just those two boys, mom and dad. No influence by women, which is a constant problem. Sorry, ladies. You're a beautiful problem. And so he comes to the Lord and says, this ought to be good enough. And he takes the works of his own hands and said, there you go. And God comes down and talks to him. Almighty God talks to him right. and on. says, This isn't what you were supposed to bring. Watch. If thou doest well, you'll be received. Right. If thou doest not well, send light at the door. Yep. Do you have a right to be met? Yes, I do. Now, wait a minute. If you bring the right sacrifice, you'll be accepted. Right. Right. He didn't care. Yes. Wow. Until punishment came his way, right. he yes. never yes. repented. Never said he was sorry. Never said, let me get, have another chance. God gave him another chance. He talked back to God, and God still said, if you do well, you'll be accepted. God's not waiting to destroy you. I know the world teaches that. Every time we get in a fix, the genie God's supposed to bail us out. Well, I prayed once, and he didn't do anything. Oh, that's big of you. That's a very, very magnanimous. Way to go. I prayed once. He ain't not do nothing for me. He's your father. He's not a genie in a bottle. Saul disobeyed God, lied about it, and headed towards areas that only heathen people, the way they act. Lost the whole kingdom. Lost it all. I've often wondered if I could talk to him. So... If you had to do it all over again, now that you were here and God humbly gave you everything, to hear where you took control and did what you wanted to do and now you see the outcome, was the trade worth it? Was it worth it? So many people just like that. When the trade plays out, I mean, not when you first start, not when things look like they're going okay. Uh, Let's just say 10 years later, Ten years later, i just dined to ask people. Not to rub it in. I would just really like to know. I already know. I'm playing dumb to find out who the smart ones are, you know. Huh, so how'd things go? I already know how things are going to go. How many churches have never been built or reached their full potential because of a man who traded his walk with God for worldliness. By the way, it's happening all the time now. Yes, sir. We're not even fighting against worldliness. We've opened the doors and said, world, come on in our churches. You're welcome here. Come on, come on. So let me get this right. You're out on the sea in a boat. And there's nothing wrong with the water being out of the boat. But there's everything wrong with the water being in the boat. We have opened up the floodgates and said, we don't care who you are, what you do, you're welcome here. Come on, Come on. Now, that sounds good, but the bigger problem with all that is they have changed a lot of churches. All right. All right. Now, you may say it's a good thing. You can't find a church like you said, where anymore. anymore. All, right, all fundamental Baptist churches used to be similar to this yes. and Amen. even more exciting. Yes. Amen. Amen. Amen used to be deafening. Was it a good trade? I mean those preachers. His purity for a one night of personal pleasure. Was it trade? The broken heartedness. You, you, you don't understand. You don't understand the broken heartedness that people would ask you. Preacher, can I ask you a question? Can you tell me this? No, preacher, I trust your word to now. Broken hearted. Broken hearted. That could have been a great church. Thousands could have been saved. But somebody made a decision. Who traded the eternal rewards for temporary pleasures? Who traded power, influence, and influence with God and man for yourself? Churches, how many of them should have been established all over the world? But somewhere along the line they said, why am I doing this? I'm missing out on that. Why look forward to, to rewards I can't even see when there's a reward right there I can have now? I wonder, was it worth it? I wonder how many Christian ladies, teens and adults, have traded future happiness on a wedding day and a marriage free from guilt and shame for a one As soon as you preach like this, eyes drop. Mm -hmm. Yes, Yes, preach. A blank goes over the face. Again, I'm not trying to rub anything in. I'm trying to wake you up to the truth. Moab has nothing for you. They will take everything that God gave you, everything that's good that you have. It will take everything and then leave you there to fend for yourself. and and guess who's waiting if you would at the door waiting to help you again God Almighty he said I will never leave thee I will never forsake thee I'll go with you always look when you sin the Holy Ghost of God has got to go with you don't you understand that there you are in your wonderful night of pleasure he can't leave God the Holy Spirit cannot leave you You traded your purity, your innocence, your cleanness for an out-of-control passion. You traded an untouched body for a pawed-over, used, hurt, talked about, easy to get. Hmm. Was the trade worth it? Was that a good trade? Now you're a single mother on welfare. Possibly diseased. Oh. By the way, you won't find that out sometimes until you get a lot older. That's right. That's right. There are older people now, older moms, dads, and grandmas, yes, dying of AIDS and venereal diseases. Preach. Because oh. during my lifetime, free love. Come on, Help. Yeah. It hasn't changed. Right. Young people now, just like animals, jump from one to another thinking, I have a right. right. Okay. Amen. Go, Christian, you're starting to do that too. You go to church, you claim to be a Christian, and you're acting like sinful women out in the world. Come on. Come on. Right. Your emotions are scarred, your mind is scarred, your testimony is scarred. Yes. And guess who's waiting for you to come back? Right. God. Amen. When you come back, though, it's not going to be like when you left. Right. Right. Don't call me Nielsma. Don't 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 do don't you do that. There are some young ladies that I know, when they when they walk into a room, whole room lights up. Yep. Oh, there she is. There. Oh, that's her over there. You know, it's just like, man, it's like turning on a 100-watt light bulb. Dean. And you think to yourself, yeah, th- that woman's always like, that girl's always that way. Watch them after the world's done with them. Yes, Lord, you, young lady, you've got to understand something. When the world has taken everything from you, it possibly can and you're broken, they're not going to fix you. They will cast you to the side as something that's used and tainted. And the Bible said, the wicked person hunteth, searcheth for the pure life. You're not pure anymore. They don't want you. They've had so many of you. how many life full of promises young Christian men raised in a good home maybe a Baptist school bright teaching you traded it all just like that as soon as you got out of high school like a wild animal as soon as the gates come open man you're out there you're eating up everything you possibly can their dreams of college and full time work and service for God traded it for a lustful nothing to do with God, worldly girl, any girl that would give herself to you freely and then hold that against you if you don't continue on, is it worth the ground she walks on? What are you upset with him for? Some of you used to amen like that. They traded their hope, their purity, their confidence, for personal indulgences, right. and threw away their future for what? Because right. you have a right to drink. You you threw all that away for that. Come on. Come on. Well, you know marijuana's legal now. Yeah. I know you've heard it. Again, back of my day, look at me. We used to pray. Man, they to make this stuff legal. Well, they did. Guess who did that? People back in my day that are now in their 70s were the hippies back then. They're running your country. Oh, yes, they are. What kind of an idiot would vote in dope the same one that voted in legalizing drinks and abortion and homosexuality and trans on and on and on? I told you, don't you show up tonight. You won't like me very well. Pornography. All business and no God is just as bad. All business and no, uh, preacher, I'm not doing that, that, that. I know your whole life's about business and making money. You walked out on God to do that. See, because you're not going to suffer anything. I don't care Bethlehem, Judea or not. I'm not sticking around here. Things are getting a little tough, preacher. I'm going to Moab. I heard there's great opportunity out there. Was it a good trade? Young man, was it a good trade? Christian, what are you considering today to go back to? There are kids right here that go to our school. It happens every year. Stand right up here during graduation. I want to thank my parents for all the sacrifice. I want to thank Pastor Bell. I want to thank Brother Cordry and all that they've done and all the sacrifice. From then on, we never see him again. Right. Right. Hypocrite, liar, didn't mean a word of it and you couldn't wait to get out from underneath of this suffrage, underneath of this terrible way to live. You you actually think Jesus is not the savior, he's the enslaver. No, he's not. No, he is not. He's trying to protect you from ruining your life. And if you call that slavery, God bless you. I hope you get right with God's what I hope. God saved their life. What about you? Yeah, he saved me too. Man, somebody put you on oxygen. Some traded their spouse. Some traded, they left home. You traded your church. You traded your relationship with Christ. What about your peace? What about your joy? What about the influence that you had? What about your bus ride and your Sunday school class? You're not saved and put on this earth so you don't bother anybody. Christian, you're supposed to be bothering people yes, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, Why else are you saved and lived here? Right. Tell your story and I'm done. When I first got saved, there was a, well, a lot of Christian families, but one in particular had four girls my age and uh, in one family and um, good girls, good girls. It captured my attention because when i go to their house, they'd all get around the piano and sing Christian songs in their house, not at church. I mean, what kind of weirdo does that? But I thought, man, it's really good. They're singing at home. One's playing the piano, and they're all harmonizing and singing. I just sat back and think, man, this is amazing. Who does this kind of stuff? You go from my house and upbringing to this, it's like eh, night and day. I used to go over there, and then I got married, and and of course we moved away, and years went by. And one day my wife said, "Hi, did you hear about?" It was a girl by the name of Rita Skaggs. Rita Skaggs is my wife's third cousin. Good girl. Trouble is, she she was um, don't take this wrong. She was a little more homely, not flashy, but a good girl. Good girl. She got a job. She was about twenty-four, maybe. Got a job out in the world. First time. And this guy kind of befriended her. Nice guy. So she said. Nice guy. They got to know each other and they began to talk and share things. And next thing you know, she told her mom, and her mom said, No. No, he's not, he's not a Christian. You cannot do this. She didn't like that. So one night, he told her about a party he'd like for her to go with. her. She said, okay. One night. One night. You listen to me. One night. Her mom was a tremendous Christian woman. One night. She decided to go with this guy. She had her first drink ever that night, ever. She would never even had a bottle to her lips ever in her entire life. And then they had sex together one time. One time. One time. You're not listening to me, are you? One time. loved her. She loved him. He was such a nice guy. Well, she started getting sick and and they didn't know why. Thought it was pneumonia. Thought maybe it was, you know, you know how doctors do. They're as dumb as we are. And uh, then she went in for some real, real in-depth tests. One night, one drink, one time of sex, One night out with the boys. Good girl. Good family. Church girl. Sang in church. Gave testimony. Love the Lord. She contracted AIDS. Now this was back 40 some years ago. Her mother watched over her for the next, I think, year, year and a half. Changing her, cleaning her, lying with her at night so she wouldn't feel cold and alone. Mom telling her all the time how much she still loves her and God still loves her, everything's going to be okay. She's dying of AIDS. She shriveled up from being a healthy 20-some-year-old young lady to a skeleton with skin wrapped around. You wonder, don't it? I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Listen to me. Pay attention. Yeah, but that's not me. That's what she said. Yeah. Come on. Come on, hey, yeah. When they would lay there together after all this took place, they would sing songs and cry about Jesus and going home. We were at their funeral. My wife and I we were at their funeral. Very sad. It's a closed casket. Was the trade worth it? See, you're saying, I don't know because you haven't been there. Yet all around you are stories, illustrations, and truisms that says, I have been, and look, I'm back. On. Naomi, see, Naomi, God bless you. Hope things turn out for you. Yes, I hope everything turn out. Pleasant as she can be. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, comes back. Don't call me Naomi. The Lord taught me a lesson that changed my whole life. By the way, the Lord loved her. The near kinsman took care of her. She ended up with land. Ruth got married to Boaz. They ended up having David. I mean, things turned out pretty good. Except she still had this bitter look This thing that she learned that no Christian woman should ever have had to learn. I just want to ask you, the direction you're heading right now? Going to be a good trade or no? Well, I don't know. You're being ignorant on purpose. I don't mean untouched because today's society, we mean two different things by that. Whatever happened to young boys that were pure and innocent and clean? We allowed the world to walk through our church doors and our families and captured our kids' minds and hearts. Do they actually believe I'm missing out. We're just Mom, I'm not staying. Good grief, what do you think I'm going to do? End up out in the world under some viaduct somewhere, sleeping in a box someplace? I don't know. Ask all those people. Yeah, right. Right. Give it. It. Give it. Right. You think they were born and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to become a drunk and sleep in a box on a oh, corner Richard. someday. Come on. Mom. Come on. wonder how many of those people used to go to church. Right. It, on, yes. Okay, let's take it the other way. I wonder how many businessmen that has nothing to do with church, God, they don't pray. They don't pray over meals. They don't talk about the Bible. They just work and make money. Were you taught that in church? Christianity can be tough. Do you know why? We have to face reality. Drinking, Christians don't drink not sociably, not teetotaling, not by moderation, and beer is not wine. you turn the water into wine. Well, when you can turn water into wine, maybe you can drink. I don't care if you're Italian or not. You're not supposed to be drinking. Even the lost world knows that. I just want to ask you, what some of you been through? By the way, it's all your choice, so don't, don't, don't sidestep anything. You didn't have to. You decided to. What you're going through right now in another couple of years, what are you going to tell everybody? It was worth it. There you are with two babies. Tell you, all you kids in here better be thankful for grandmas because it wasn't for them, you'd have to watch your own children. You're ruining your You still making excuses? You still wondering if this has anything to do with you? One day you'll answer to Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you're going to talk to him. And I want you to understand as you look him in the face, and he says, Tell me what you did with the life that I gave you. Have any fun, so I left. Is that what you? Want? That's a good excuse, right? Jesus, you weren't worth it. I needed to have some fun. You see, we were going through some tough times over there in Bethlehem, Judah, and I just thought we'd go over to Moab just for a couple of weekends. You know, just they invited me to a, to a rock concert. They they invited me to go over here. They invited oh, me. Hey, come yeah. over and do this, and I did because yeah. I was missing out. In a few years, people come back through these doors. They don't stay very long. It's not because we don't want them here. They can't get past the shame, the embarrassment, the change. I'm surprised Naomi ever went back home. Most people never do. If you're here and trying to regain that life, God bless you. Help you with anything I've done. But don't you dare run around and tell everybody how much fun you're having out there in sin after you've already known this because you're a liar. You this story, and I'll stop unless I can think of another story. When I was going to college, I used to work in a train yard and I'd transfer track, uh, acids from tractor trailers to um, from train cars to tractor trailers. Very dangerous job, to be honest with you. Very hot job. And truck drivers would come in there. You know, truck drivers think they're really cool, Amen. they're just Amen. dumb, stupid people. So, anyway. Amen. Uh, so I'm standing there and there was this younger guy working with me doing these things and all of a sudden I see him all the way down the yard and they're kind of talking together. So I just kind of wandered over there and I hear this guy talking about how prison is really good time. He's bragging. Ah, Yeah, yeah. you learn a lot in there and you, know, you toughen up and I'll tell you, it's not as bad as people think. I don't know why. It's just me. Like I tell the the woman with the green hair. Remember you know what I told her? Okay. I looked right at him. I said, you need to quit your lying. What do you mean? Quit, what, what, you have no right. Stop your lying to this kid. No. Why, no. Tell him about the first night you were in there with all those men. Amen. Tell him about the first time you entered in there. Quit lying to this kid. Amen. Tell him how scared you were the first time. You're not having a good time. If you are, it's not lasting. Because to him that knows to do good and do it not, to him it's a sin. And you can't. if you're a child of God, you can't get by with this. Is it a good trade? The one you're getting ready to make? Or the one you have made? We're all going to find out, aren't we? Let's pray. Father, thank you.